Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Today is part two of Jesus' commissioning of his disciples, which is a good time to remember, especially as we're contemplating a new year ahead, that the basis of mission is... What? (laughs) Pop quiz. What's the basis of mission? At least according to the part of Matthew that we are in right now. Hey, Hopeful. Glad to be with you from my traveling microphone again today and for today's part of our journey together where we commit together to reading through every word of God's revelation of himself Monday through Saturday, including thinking about our own life and work stories in light of that. My friends, the basis of mission, at least as Jesus was sharing this with his new disciples, was compassion, which is a strong word for an emotional response, which always results in caring action. Now let that sink in because we need that strong foundation to follow through. You remember yesterday Jesus saying, hey, as you go out, you're going to experience persecution. And then, and then this is where we pick up, Matthew chapter 10, picking up in verse 26. Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have been counted, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Don't assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household." The one who, by the way, I'm just going to pause. Remember, that sounds kind of weird. He's talking about ultimate judgment and the fact that that some people will choose Jesus and some won't, right? So it's not Jesus' heart to have discord and strife and division. He said, I came to bring truth, which is going to have this consequence. Continuing. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. The one who welcomes you welcomes me. And the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a righteous person because of because he's righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. 
And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. And that, my friends, gets us up through verse 42, which wraps up chapter 10. And I'll just point this out before we get to our next round of King Solomon. This opposition may even have official sanction, but since it is incurred on, um, on Jesus' account, it provides an opportunity for witness. Right? In such threatening circumstances, the disciples may count on the help of the Spirit of, of you know, the Holy Spirit and therefore not need to worry. And the same goes for you. In our Old Testament segment today, for those of you that are new around here, this trip through the Old Testament, and this is time number five that we've done this on the podcast here in just over five years. But this time we're going through the Old Testament chronologically, meaning we go, may go back and forth between books if something happens that's part of the timeline. And because there is overlap between the books of Kings and Chronicles, we're doing that same thing today. Today's passage in Chronicles is a deeper version of Solomon's temple dedication, which is likely in part because the, the assembler or author of Chronicles has a much heavier focus on the temple. And what I love about this account is how God responds at the end. Second Chronicles, starting in chapter 5. So all the work Solomon did for the Lord's temple was completed. Then Solomon brought the consecrated things of his father David, the silver, the gold, all the utensils, and he put them in the treasuries of God's temple. At that time, Solomon assembled at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the tribal heads, the ancestral chiefs of the Israelites, in order to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, that is, Zion. So all the men of Israel were assembled in the king's presence at the festival, and this was in the seventh month. All the elders of Israel came, and the Levites picked up the Ark. They brought the Ark brought up the ark, the tent of meeting, and the holy utensils that were in the tent, and the priests and the Levites brought them up. King Solomon and the entire congregation of Israel who had gathered around him were in front of the ark, sacrificing sheep, goats, and cattle that could not be counted or numbered because there were so many. The priests brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place beneath the wings of the cherubim. And the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim formed a cover above the ark and its poles. The poles were so long that their ends were seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. They are still there today. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had put in it at Horeb. I'll pause and say, remember, that's Mount Sinai. That Moses had put in it at Horeb, where the Lord had made a covenant with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. Now all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions. When the priests came out of the holy place, the Levitical singers dressed in fine linen and carrying cymbals, harps, and lyres were standing east of the altar, and with them were 120 priests blowing trumpets. The Levitical singers were the descendants of Asaph, Heman, and Jedithan, and their sons and relatives, and the trumpeters and singers joined together to praise and thank the Lord with one voice. 
They raised their voices, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and musical instruments, in praise to the Lord, saying, For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. The temple, the Lord's temple, was filled with a cloud, and because of the cloud the priests were not able to continue ministering, for the glory of the Lord filled God's temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord said he would dwell in total darkness, but I have built an exalted temple for you, a place for your dwelling forever. And then the king turned and blessed the entire congregation of Israel while they were standing, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He spoke directly to my father, David, and he has fulfilled the promise by his power. And he said, Since the day I brought my people Israel out of the land of Egypt, I have not chosen a city to build a temple in among any of the tribes of Israel, so that my name would be there. And I have not chosen a man to be ruler over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem so that my name will be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. My father David had his heart set on building a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. However, the Lord said to my father David, Since it was your desire to build a temple for my name, you have done well to have this desire. Yet you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own offspring, will build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled what he promised. I have taken the place of my father David, and I sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. I have built the temple for it, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I have put the ark there where the Lord's covenant is that he made with the Israelites. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire congregation of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform seven and a half feet long, wide, and four and a half feet high, and put it in the court. He stood on it, knelt down in front of the entire congregation of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth who keeps his gracious covenant with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept what you promised to your servant. My father David, you spoke directly to him and you fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, keep what you promised to your servant, my father David, when you said, you will never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons take care to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now, Lord God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant David. But, Will God indeed live on earth with humans? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. Listen to your servant's prayer and his petition, Lord my God, so that you may hear the cry and the prayer that your servant prays before you, so that your eyes watch over this temple day and night toward the place where you said you would put your name, and so that you may hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the petitions of your servant and your people Israel, which they pray toward this place. May you hear in your dwelling place in heaven. May you hear and forgive. If a man sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and he comes to take an oath before your altar in this temple, may you hear in heaven and act. 
May you judge your servants, condemning the wicked man by bringing what he has done on his own head and providing justice for the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. If your servant, if your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and they return to you and praise your name and they pray and plead for mercy before you in this temple, may you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel. May you restore them to the land you gave them and their ancestors. When the skies are shut and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, and they pray toward this place and praise your name and they turn from their sins because you are afflicting them, may you hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and your people Israel so that you may teach them the good way they should walk in. May you send rain on your land that you gave your people for an inheritance. When there is famine in the land, when there is pestilence, when there is blight or mildew, locust or grasshopper, when their enemies besiege them in their land and its cities, when there is any plague or illness, every prayer or petition that any person or that all your people Israel may have, they each know their own affliction and suffering. As they spread out their hands toward this temple, may you hear in heaven your dwelling place and may you forgive and give to everyone according to all their ways since you know each heart, for you alone know the human heart, so that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days they live on the land you gave our ancestors. Even for the foreigner, even for the foreigner, who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your strong hand and outstretched arm, When he comes and prays toward this temple, may you hear in heaven in your dwelling place and do all the foreigner asks you. Then all the peoples of the earth will know your name to fear you as your people Israel do and know that this temple I have built bears your name. When your people go out to fight against their enemies wherever you send them and they pray to you in the direction of this city you have chosen and the temple that I have built for your name, may you hear their prayer and petition in heaven and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and hand them over to the enemy and their captors deport them to a distant or nearby country. And when they come to their senses in the land where they were deported and repent and petition you and their captors land saying, we have sinned and done wrong. We have done wicked. And when they return to you with all their mind and all their heart in the land of their captivity, where they were taken captive And when they pray in the direction of their land that you gave their ancestors and the city you have chosen and toward the temple that I have built for your name, may you hear their prayer and petitions in heaven, your dwelling place, and uphold their cause. May you forgive your people who sinned against you. Now, my God, please let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. Now, therefore, arise, Lord God, come from to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and may your faithful people rejoice in goodness. Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember your servant David's acts of faithful love. When Solomon finished praying, Fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
The priests were not able to enter the Lord's temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. And all the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. They bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. The king and all the people were offering sacrifices in the Lord's presence. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats in this manner and the king and all the people dedicated the God's temple. The priests and the Levites were standing at their stations. The Levites had the musical instruments of the Lord, which King David had made to give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever, when he offered praise with them. Across from the Levites, the priests were blowing trumpets and all the people were standing. Since the bronze altar that Solomon had made could not accommodate the burnt offering, the grain offering, the fat of the fellowship offerings, Solomon first consecrated the middle of the courtyard that was in front of the Lord's temple and then offered the burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings there. So Solomon and all Israel with him, a very great assembly from the entrance to Hamath to the brook of Egypt, observed the festival at that time for seven days. On the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly for the dedication of the altar lasted seven days and the festival lasted seven days. And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people home, rejoicing and with happy hearts for the goodness of the Lord the Lord had done for David, for Solomon, and for his people Israel. So Solomon finished the Lord's temple and the royal palace, everything that had entered Solomon's heart to do for the Lord's temple and for his own palace succeeded. And then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so much there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. My eyes will now be open, and my ears attentive to prayer from this place, and I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, doing everything I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and ordinances, I will establish your royal throne, as I promised your father David when I said, you will never fail to have a man ruling in Israel. However, if you turn away and abandon my statutes, and my commands that I have set before you, and if you go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, then I will uproot Israel from the soil that I gave them, and this temple that I have sanctified for my name I will banish from my presence. I will make it an object of scorn and ridicule among all the peoples. As for this temple, which was exalted, everyone who passes by this will be appalled and will say, Why did the Lord do this to this land and this temple? And then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They clung to other gods and bowed in worship to them and served them. Because of this, he brought all this ruin on them. And my friends, that is chapters 5 through 7. Those closing verses 
my friends, are a summary that is the fundamental rule of cause and effect, which is so much part of the chronicler's teaching. Well, in fact, we see that throughout the Old Testament. If you obey, and you will prosper. If you disobey, you'll suffer. If you repent, you'll be forgiven. In what, my friends, what historical theologians call the redemptive arc, meaning how we see God's plan unfolding in and, and through time, I think it's interesting to look back at what Jesus did on the cross 900 years later for you and me, that he said, it is finished. And since then, those who follow are covered by his work there once and for all. So let's close today with a wisdom segment that we pray uh, for today, maybe and for the new year. This is Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going both now and forever. My friends, I think that is interesting that it says the Lord is your shelter, is a shelter right by your side. Interesting. I, I'm, that's just an interesting set of words. Lord God, we reflect on what you have done, what you are doing in our lives, and what you will do in what is future to us. Lord, we look forward to the ultimate future, eternity with you, and being made, being made new again all over, Lord, uh, in, in a new heaven and earth. But Lord, you promise that we are a new creation in Christ the moment we put our trust in the person and work of your Son. Lord, may we count on that today. May we remember today that whatever junk we may have just dealt with outside of us or the junk inside of us, Lord, that, that you see us white as snow, not because of who we are, but but because what Jesus has done, adopting us into your family. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.